0: Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed.
1: It's a March 8th, and next week is March break. And uh, many of you, I uh, would assume, are taking off. I know that uh, once restrictions started to be lifted, uh, a lot of people were uh, booking vacations. And I, t- I got to tell you, in in all the years that my, uh, my youngest was playing uh, hockey, um, every year it seemed like... Uh, a group of the parents on whatever team he was playing for just couldn't be around each other enough. Had to be side by side all the time. It's another <laughs> example and proof that I believe hockey is just a cult. Because most of the time I could only stand an hour of being in the rink with most of these Johnny Jock straps, but they always wanted to go on vacations together and take off. And so David be like, hey, everybody on the team's going to Dominican Republic, can we go too? Nope, Daddy has to work. Sorry. <laughs> So if They want to take you. you know, no, I wouldn't even. I, listen, I'm not allowing him out of my grips with those crazies. <laughs> right. and, you know, it would be the same thing, too. And, you, you know, you go in these hockey tournaments and, you know, everybody's in the hotel. And we all got to be hip by hip. Everything we do, we got to right. go eat together and watch movies together. And why don't we get one big bed and we'll all just sleep together? I try to limit my yelling
0: when I'm at the arena watching
1: uh, the
0: boys. It's different when I'm on the bench because, uh, you know, you, you kind of get into the game a little more. But, you know, with the Christian's team, I'm not, and so I'll just kind of sit back in the mm. stands. But, I you know, I find it amazing how little uh, parents generally know about the game of hockey when, mm. they're, when they're watching, mm-hmm. you know, skate, pass, shoot. Everyone is, you know, guilty of egr- egregious crimes uh, throughout it. And they really don't understand, you know, the intricacies of the game or certainly the calls on the ice. And, and like penalty, what are what constitutes a penalty and what's not?
1: Every year when David played, I, I would find like the three or four dads who just like me could care less. <laughs> just they were only there because their kid wanted to play and wanted to be a part of that scene. Right. And I would we would either stand in the uh, the outdoor area. We would barely be in the rink too cold. We'd go hang out and eat French fries and kill the hour. And then of course when a lot of arenas started putting bars upstairs, well then I was like, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be up there. Bring the car around, David. <laughs> you're 12. You're old enough to drive. Like some of the teams. They have they have uh, parent meetings in the back parking mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. You'll,
0: you'll be up for those.
1: It's funny because he played uh, some all-star or select uh, baseball as well. Like, he never made it outside. He made it, like, one level above. So you got a house league and then you got, select, like, selected. Yeah. He made that. And that, with that came some tournaments. And he made select baseball. But it was never the same with the baseball parents. Even Daniel played some soccer but I think it was just house league. So my my uh, my relationship with those other sports were such that we would go play, and go home. Even if we went on a tournament for baseball, I don't remember it always being so. Everybody has to be joined at the hip all right. the time. Yeah, very like I remember baseball. You'd play say like at seven in the morning. Maybe part of the problem with baseball is it took so damn long. Yeah. You never had much of a break <laughs> between games. Now I remember we one tournament we just moved. Uh, We had just gotten down to, uh, I guess, Windsor that November or something. So that spring, we signed him up for baseball. He makes this select team that he wants to try out for. And like one of the first weekends that we're having family down, like a long weekend, he's got this uh, game at like 7 a.m. other side of town. We go to that game. It lasts all morning. They lose. Now you got another game at like noon, but you got no time to go anywhere. So you just kind of hang around. Next game, they lose. This, this takes us to about four in the afternoon. I'm, I'm about ready to kill somebody. Mm. I've got all my family back at the house. They're around the pool. They're drinking. They're enjoying their life. I'm in hell. And I and I there's a, there, I think, Okay, we've lost both games. We got to be done. That means we won't have to come back tomorrow. Yeah. Coach comes back. He says, "Okay, parents, I got to tell you, I don't know how this worked out, but to our favor, maybe it was like the amount of um, runs or whatever." He goes, "We're still alive. We play again tomorrow." Oh, the parents are. I'm like, oh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> no. And I just start pouting and stomping. <laughs> no. We're not playing tomorrow. We played again the next morning, and then Carrie, we won that one, so we had to play into the afternoon. Oh, there you go. Oh, I was ready to kill someone.
0: <laughs> I noticed, like, you know, maybe they try to get them, everyone together to, to, uh, to, to avoid the cliques mm. that happen. Right, because yeah, you get a, you get a lot of those right where you have like you know generally in the middle of the stands mm. there's a group of parents that are just in it for the kids to have fun right right and they're cheering yeah right and then you got a group of parents that are like uh, you know either friends of the coach or on the coach's side or just trying to make sure their kid makes the team for next year so they're generally standing at the end of the rink, yeah. but, like, on the bench side, right, or like within view of the bench that they're supporting. Right. And then you got the, the ones who hate the coach or, or are not happy, <laughs> and they're on the complete opposite side. Right. You know, glaring down as well. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's interesting to see the dynamics at play.
1: Well, and there was always parents, too, that I, I saw, uh, and I'm sure anybody that's got a kid in hockey and if they're playing any sort of A or AA, AAA, A gets, I guess, harder and more expensive as you go along, but... You know, there's just some parents who can't read the room at all. Like, you go away on these tournaments, and I'm sure there's many parents who are stretched to the limit financially Mm. doing this stuff. But there's always some doctor, lawyer, whatever, who's always wanting to go to the keg. Everybody (laughs) to the keg for dinner. You know, this, this... Okay. Oh, I, there's a few parents. Oh were like, hey, let's go do this and that. And, hey, there's an amusement park at only Con- like I remember we went to Cleveland for a hockey tournament. Hey, everybody, let's go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame after. Okay. <laughs> Now it's eighty dollars a head to get into the rock and roll hall of fame. And after that we should go to the dinner at the top of some hotel. Well,
0: it took it only took two or three years for the parents on my teams to realize that every tournament we went to was in a casino town. Oh yeah, yeah. Niagara, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. go.
1: Aurelia. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, it Only was, the best. It was always too much, you know, and you knew the parents who couldn't afford it, and I always felt bad. I mean right. I couldn't afford it either, but I just faked it and put it on my Vs, well, that's what we do. <laughs> but I but I you know there was some like I remember like there was a, a a single mom and her kid was really quite good, but she was really just scraping by and she would bring them down to the tournaments and you know, they'd stay in the room by themselves or whatever. And but it'd always be like, Well, okay, we're all going here and she'd be like, Well, we just can't, you know. Right. And I'd be like, Oh, you know, dude, can can we not just all agree to order pizza in the lobby? And then, you know, what does it always got to... Why does Joey Big Bucks always have to, you know, be that guy? I
0: only really found out recently, like when I was a kid and we had the team and then he had to get a parent that would manage. My dad did it right. for one year. The coach had, you know, some friends that asked him, hey, would you, you know, just take care of this? And Dad's like, sure, why not? Mm. Uh, and he said, you know, he only admitted in the last few years or so that, you know, there was a couple of, of times where... You know, he just, he wasn't chasing people down for money. Mm. And he's like, I'm not going to, you know, it's like a couple hundred bucks. I'm not mm. gonna. He, so he would just pay it. Wow. <laughs> just rather than have to chase them down. Right. Or he might, you know, send an email once or, well, it wasn't an email at that point. Probably a conversation, a phone call or a letter, mm. right, from the league. And, and, and then eventually just, to oh, forget it.
1: I'll well, just, especially if he knew, just pay it. you know, if he understood or knew right. you know, somebody's kind of situation. But anyhow. <sighs> I have a lot to be grateful in life, lucky for it, and I'll tell you the one thing: I am so glad I'm done with that. <laughs> I was flipping through the channels and I came across this uh, came across this uh, documentary, "Tough Guy: The Bob Probert Story." Oh wow! Uh, made in 2019 and um, and really good interviews with all sorts of guys that he fought along the way, and of course highlights of his uh, his fights and what a beast of a human being he he was and. Then, of course, his journey through drugs and alcohol and interviews with his family members and such. And it's funny because he was born in Windsor, raised in Windsor, played in mostly Detroit and Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever they were moving their way through Windsor, the only things you'd see is like Leopard's Lounge. <laughs> and- <laughs> The million dollar saloon, <laughs> Studio Four. The producers, I thought, I guess thought, well, let's show the highlights right. of yeah. Windsor. <laughs> it was pretty funny. And then, of course, they showed his home in um, Bell River on Lake, uh, Lake uh, on uh, Lake St. Clair. Not nice. too shabby. No, not it's not a tiny little place. Right. Anyhow, I'd forgotten that he uh, <clears throat> he passed away basically in his boat and his wife and kids. I he had a heart attack on his mm. boat. Had gotten clean and was really pulling his life together they had home footage of him like just a mess and i didn't realize this i guess it's not a shock certainly drugs and alcohol were a, a huge uh, a huge demon in his life but it was the meds there was the prescribed meds mm. the oxy and such that really took him down towards the end playing in chicago just because of the pain he felt every day from fighting
0: and and that's one of those things they've they've kind of gone after
1: not to mention
0: concussions uh, you know, throughout all of you know those years in the seventies, eighties, yeah. early nineties, when when it wasn't really uh, thought of as a uh, shake it off, get back out there and, and keep playing. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I find it amazing. You know, being around the hockey world a little bit, and you see, you know, interesting. I mentioned Ottawa and the Senators. DJ Smith is the coach there, and Windsor boy, and and, and a guy who you know, idolized. Bob Probert. Sure. Um, you know, I had many conversations with DJ about, about Probert. And, you know, he himself went on to play in the NHL, with the Leafs in Colorado, and, and a, you know, a fighter and tough defenseman. And, you, you, like, when you meet these guys, you know, the guys that I grew up watching as the tough guys in the mm-hmm. league, and you see the size of their hands and realize, like, they've got sledgehammers on the end of their arms Mm -hmm. and that they are throwing at full pace on each other bare knuckled and, and you think, my God, what, what that would have, what they would have gone through? And they've had a lot of enforcer documentaries now, where you see mm-hmm. you know, kind of the life that they had and the anxiety that they had before games, knowing that this is what they had to do, and the consequences for some of them were deadly as a result of that. And a lot of the times, it was you know, okay, you got this scrape, screw, uh, bruise, or shoulder injury; you can't throw the right arm as as good, or whatever it may be. Take this, numb the pain, and get back out there and do it.
1: Well, you know, he's, uh, I think at the height of his career, he's making like 1.5. And uh, in the last couple of years in Chicago, yeah, I mean, he needed to keep cashing that check. He missed the first season with Chicago, so he lost a million five because he was in rehab most of the time. But it's funny that you mention about uh, how deadly they are. And I can't remember the player who was describing fighting Probert but he said he was like a shark in that when when the gloves came off his eyes went black and dead like mm. he, like he would just look through you oh, he, geez. yeah just like really spooky but <clears throat> was said that he was just a a, a bear a lovable guy uh, off the ice and i actually uh, met him once there was a we were doing some charity events, I think like a camp day for Tim Hortons or something. And it was in May. We usually do, usually do those in like May, I think, right? Is it May? We yeah, I camp so. days. I remember it being extremely warm this particular day. And we had, back then, they had set up this fake prison out in the parking lot. Uh, of Timmy's. And they were putting, like, local celebrities, the mayor. Oh, okay. others, others in the... In the, <laughs> the kids, as they showed up. The, yeah, on yeah, the, that's right. <laughs> the camp kids? What you know, the want hell? They, want to put the kids in? Keep them in there. <laughs> no, they were putting local celebrities in this thing. And I, if I remember how it played out, you had to donate to get them out of the prison. Right. Something gotcha. to that effect. So Probert was scheduled to be a part of this. And he showed up with his wife, Danny, uh, and he looked like he hadn't been to bed in about two or three days. Mm. But he showed up. He was sweating. He was, he, he, I could just tell he was in, in horrible pain, but he had committed to this charity event, and he did it, and he stood in that Dan cage for about an hour in the sun. Wow. And I just thought, my God, the guy just wants a bed. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Plus, he'd spent some time in these prisons before. Yeah, that's true. Isn't this just bringing back up horrible memories? But anyhow, uh, a terrific documentary. If you have uh, have not seen it. Or are interested in, of course, the big section on him and Domi and the wars that they had. And, right. Oh. Man, he could just... Fu- like, just go watch the
0: Bob Probert tribute video, yeah. the Metallica yeah. behind oh, that's, it no, that's one.
1: Wendell Clark. Oh, is it Wendell? That's Wendell. Uh, there's, there's a Probert oh, one, Oh, I'm too. sure there is, yeah. Yeah,
0: and it is...
1: Wow. It's wild. And, and when you watch it, remember that the film's not sped up. No. Like Those punches, they're throwing in real time. Right. And, uh, yeah. well, is, and
0: not only that, he wore like, like the loosest, oldest shoulder yeah. pads, yeah. right? They didn't have tie downs on the jerseys back then. Right. Half the videos you'll see him fighting, everything's off. Everything's off. And so the other guy has nothing to grab on.
1: He cracked one guy's helmet, cracked it into two with his fist. Right. And there's another one where he, the, the both of them end up in the bench, and the other guy's like under the bench, and he's still pounding on him. <laughs> oh, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I've been continuing to watch that, uh, Pam and Tommy, and, uh, Andrew Dice Clay shows up as a mob guy oh. who has lent Seth Rogen uh, and his partner Nick Offerman the money to start uh, selling the the videos, or dubbing them, and uh, he's put up the capital in that. And that was earlier on in the really? show. It was mob based. Um, well, no. So so Seth Rogen was this uh, carpenter who got really upset with Tommy. Yeah, he, stole, he took it, the, right? stole it. Right, he stole it. But then to he he had also been Seth Rogen's character in in porn, and so Nick Offerman. Uh, is a porn director producer. And so he goes to him with this tape thinking, okay, you can help me get this stuff distributed. But Nick's character was kind of a low-level porn guy, didn't have the access to whatever, so they needed some capital to buy all the equipment to get get this going. So they borrow the money from a mob guy played by Dice. (laughs) And you know what's so great about Andrew Dice Clay is even just how he talks... His accent, I said to Maria, he makes me laugh when he's not even saying anything funny. He's so great. He started doing a hickory dickory doc, did he? (laughs) There was a great documentary on the Comedy Store and all the comedians who have gone through it, and he was a part of it. And they go back and they show all sorts of his stand-up. And I mean, it just would not fly today at all. But, man, he was funny. And at the top of his game, selling out Madison Square Garden night after night after night. An old controversy, remember, around him on SNL and how uh, there was actresses on SNL who would not perform when he was there. and Yeah. Just him even explaining the story about how all that played out. Like, he's always got this bit of confused thing going <laughs> on. He's like, so I go to SNL, and my, uh, Laura Michael says, uh, you know, you've upset this person, that person, and they're not going to be on the night you're on. And he goes... I don't even know that. <laughs> how did I upset somebody I don't even know? He's just so great.
0: Anyhow, if you haven't seen it, it's it's really true. The Steven Seagal story of SNL, yeah. too. Kind yeah. of the behind the scenes of that. What a how bad that was. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it, great. <laughs> it's a great story. No, no, it was Bob Odenkirk, I think, was talking oh, about man. it recently. It just. You know, kind of saying how, how like when he was writing at the time mm-hmm. for for SNL, uh, how awful yeah. that experience was with Seagal
1: I think it's, it's rated as like one of the all time worst episodes <laughs> I, of the show.
0: And I remember, like, I, I totally remember this, like, uh, Nico the uh, the ter- like at the Terminator tape bit mm. uh, at the uh, at the photocopier. It was run with Rob Schneider. It was like like a classic mm. best of Rob Schneider with Steven Seagal But apparently, that whole the rest of the episode was just awful.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's the the ending scene or the, the, what do they call it, the 5 to 1 or the 10 to 1, whatever that final bit is that they usually throw in just to kill time was like, it's considered one of the worst, like it just made no sense, Seagal goes into some meeting, uh, an accountant's office and just starts beating everybody up for like no real reason. Right. Anyhow.
0: it yeah. that says, like, stop pollution or something at the end of it. That that's like, right. that's he, right. He had a message. It was his skit that he had to have included. That's right. Right.
1: Uh, Bowen Yang, that's um, one of the guys on the show now. Yeah. He he played Seagal this past Saturday. Oh, really? And a bit about Ukraine and uh, and Putin and Trump and all of that. And speaking of, of Putin, uh, of course, you know, public enemy number one, I think we can all agree. But this isn't right. People's hatred for him is spilling over into poutine. Whoa! And it's Putin versus poutine. A chain of restaurants in Quebec have to, are trying to distance themselves from Putin because they say they've received calls of insult and threats since Putin invaded Ukraine. Well, am I going to sanction my poutine now? Uh, well, they. I guess what they're saying is that the names, of course, they all sound similar, and Putin in French... It's actually poutine. Okay. Is this true? You know a little French. I, I don't know. Get Adrian on the line.
0: Last time I tried to order poutine in Quebec, mm. the guy spoke English. So,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I tried to speak French to him. Right. He just said, give him a number two.
1: <laughs> it's like when we went to Italy and Maria would be doing all the ordering for us in Italian and they would go, so you want pasta? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Practiced all in proper Italian. Right. <laughs> Anyhow um so they say putin in french is actually poutine obviously though of course putin is a person and poutine is well food right it's a menu item so the restaurant put out a statement saying they support ukraine and that poutine is a dish that was born in quebec in the 1950s putin on the other hand was born in russia in the 1950s a lot of people are joking about it one person said please please stop confusing putin and poutine one is a dangerous and unwholesome mix of greasy lumpy and congealed ingredients." The other is a delicious food. (laughs) (laughs) We're all trying to figure out how to save a buck here and there. Certainly, gas prices are really causing a lot of people a lot of pain right now. And uh, and the grocery store as well. You know, I went out last night, picked up some very basic items. My bill is never like under $30 anymore. Like it's always, yeah, I got like a box of uh, pierogies and some red peppers and you know, just like very basic stuff. And it was like 34 bucks. It's, it's just, everything's so expensive. Mm. Bought this like little thing of kibasa for this meal I was making last night. It's like $9 for like a thing of kibasa. Like it's just, yeah. everything's so expensive. Cheese. So, oh yeah, uh, yeah, dairy, yeah, dairy and meat are, are the really the most expensive. So if you're trying to save a few bucks, uh, I thought this was kind of interesting because I'd never really considered this. But they say one of the things you should do is fill your pantry with the basics. Stock up on the essentials like pasta, rice, bread, canned uh, tomatoes, and frozen veggies because you can make a lot of meals out of those things. All right. And they're still relatively inexpensive. You know, you can go get like, say, sometimes they got like a deal, buy four cans of, of yeah. tomatoes. And, you know. So if you got all that stuff on hand, you know, you're not whipping out to buy it every day. and uh, And then, of course, when you do that, You should have a list, be prepared, because a lot of times we go into the grocery store kind of with an idea of what we want to cook that week or that day, and then we start doing impulse purchases. I'm guilty of that. I'm very bad at when it
0: comes to the impulse purchases. And, uh, you know, (laughs) I'll say this. I I think many of us are guilty of of just saying, ah, forget it, when it comes to saving a Mm. few cents on things. Right. Like, oh so this one is thirty cents off or twenty cents off. So all right, I'll buy one, but I'm not gonna buy more than anything. Whereas I I will look at something and a lot of times if you buy three or more, they'll give you even extra yep. off. And so, you know, there's a difference between where, how Adrian and I shop. Well, I'll, I'll buy three of something. You will, eh? Right. And 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 save. Uh, because if I know it's a staple, that we're going to use it down the road and at some point. And it's not going to go
1: bad. And yeah. it
0: doesn't go bad, then, yeah, then, then, yeah we might as well mm-hmm. have it. You know, the kids like their whatever. If it's KD or, uh, you say, rice or macaroni, whatever it may be that we, we need. Taco kits are one. Right. right? Where we, we have a taco kit every week. Mm-hmm. We use one of these things. So I always buy two at a time. Right, especially if they're on sale. That way, we have one in the house. Yep. Whereas you know, Adrian's more likely to you know go in with a list by only what we need, but buy one of them. Mm. I'll go in without the list, buy two of everything, (laughs) right, and then about fifteen of things we don't need on top of that.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm probably more like Adrian in that I go out grocery shopping every day, and I have like okay, we're tonight we're having chicken potato and this, so I just buy the chicken, I buy the potato. But even like yesterday with these pierogies, the deal was like you can get two. For six bucks. Right. Or one for like three seventy nine or whatever. And I should have just bought the two for six, knowing full well pierogies are frozen, you can whip them out any time. Yeah. They're a quick go to, right? So when you when you do like potato, you're not buying a bag of potatoes? Depends on what I'm doing. If I'm trying to do something special, like if when I do the, the, the salted, crusted baked potato, right. I'll buy I'll hand pick the nicest, biggest potatoes gotcha. I can find. The ones that have like next to no blemishes well, and you are, don't have like a bag of potatoes just in the house? We do. Okay. Yeah, yeah I do. I have those for mash and, and right. you know, regular every day. But if I'm trying to do something Something a little unique. Like there was this dish I saw a while back that was really interesting where you take a big potato and you put all these slices in it and then you take like a thin tomato slice and a slice of ham, and you do a piece of cheese and it goes in each individual slice. Oh, like the Razorback or something uh, like that? Yeah, yeah, whatever it's called, Hasselback. Hasselback, that's it. And then you wrap them and bake them. And so for things like that, you got to have a nicer potato. But yeah, we always... The, the problem <laughs> with, with produce, this always happened in our house. It used to drive me crazy. Maria would go out when she was doing more of the grocery shopping. She'd go out, and she'd go to these, like, discount produce places. Right. And she'd come home with boxes of stuff, right? Now the panic's on. Now you got to eat the broccoli by today. I said to her, how is it that you bought the broccoli? was fine at the store. Six hours later, it's going bad. we got to eat it today. So I said, stop doing that. We'll just buy as we need. Then we eat and cook and consume, and we don't have to panic because the cucumber's going soft. Uh Uh-huh. You know, anyhow. So they say to to look for up op- uh, you know things on sale, as you just mentioned. Uh, browse discounts on supermarket uh, websites or apps, and uh, tweak your menu. Meat and dairy tend to be the most expensive items at the supermarket, especially recently. So try to make meals that don't use them as the main ingredient. Right. So the odd, you know, I find too, and this is a trick that seems to work. If you're feeding a family of four, you don't want to necessarily go out say, and buy four steaks. It's too expensive. But if you if you buy like two and you chop them up and then you do them into a stir fry, mm. they become a part of the meal but not the main because now you've mixed it in with vegetables and rice and other things. And so you can get away with buying a couple of steaks instead of four. That's a trick I do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or Just say kids. Starve. <laughs> you get none. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mommy and Daddy are having a big <laughs> bottle of red. Really sick, <laughs> am
0: Yeah, and we're going to try and make sure that cucumber doesn't get soft <laughs> later on.
1: If you had to make a decision, Lucky, gun to head, are you Team Davidson or Team Kanye? Uh,
0: I hope I'm never in a situation where I've got a gun to my head to make a decision. (laughs) And if I do end up there... Mm. Please tell me it's for something more significant <laughs> than Pete versus Ye. I feel like
1: you're stalling. Come on. <laughs> right. Team Davidson or Team Ye?
0: Uh, I
1: can't pick a side on that one. You have to. I can't. You have I can't. to. I disagree with both. Well, what is it about Pete that you're disagreeing with? I just don't like him. Why? <laughs> It's What's wrong just, with you? You're the only person on the planet, it seems, who doesn't like Pete Davidson. Apparently. What is it about Pete
0: Davidson I, you don't like? I don't know what it's, I don't know what it would be about Pete Davidson
1: that I like. You don't find him funny? Not not particularly, really, huh? No. What's wrong with you? I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> well, we're going to put me, you
0: on Team Kanye then. I, I I'm definitely not on Team Kanye because he's just like crazy. Like crazy,
1: you, you can't stay on the fence on
0: this. Uh, well, I guess I'm I'm more against Kanye than I would be Pete, but at the same time, you know, and and what I think what it drives me nuts about Pete is is you know the circumstances behind his fame in somewhat are not his fault in that you know his his father passing away in nine eleven, but he certainly has used that in, in some senses to to gain a bit of notoriety or perhaps a, a sense that uh, of uh, a vulnerability that people tend to like to, about him.
1: I don't know that I agree with that. I think that, yeah, his father died in 9-11. I, he did, at the age of 18 or 19, just like Eddie Murphy, audition like anybody else to get on SNL, and the producers, Lauren Michaels and all of them, thought he was good enough but to be there. It's not
0: the only thing. I just find it weird that, that it, it has been brought up. As much as it has. And I don't know if it's bothered by him or perhaps more by
1: others. But I think more by others. I have watched his stand up and I have seen him uh, bring up the passing of his father in in a comical way. And it is said that a lot of comedy comes from a very dark place. Mm. And so I think he not so much uses it to his advantage, but in his stand up, he has addressed it. I don't So not- you're very much in team. Pete. Oh, uh, if I, if I, uh, oh, 100%. I, I find him very entertaining. Uh, I, I applaud the man. I never watched The King of Staten Island. I haven't it's seen It's a it. good movie. Yeah, I, I like him. I really, I really do. Anyhow, there is a um, a Starbucks that has a, a drive-thru and in their drive-thru, they have put out two tip jars. One for Kanye fans and and uh, the other for Pete fans. And at the time of this TikTok posting this video of these two tip jars, uh, Pete was winning. Where it, is it? Uh, it doesn't say where the oh. Starbucks is. Uh, there's at least a few uh, bills in his jar while Kanye's just got a few coins at wow. the bottom. So I'm sure Kanye will not be happy with no. that. Listen, I can appreciate that Kanye is, is fighting for his marriage and obviously... Through his mental health, uh, it certainly, I'm sure, played a part in the demise of that marriage. And he's a father and children. And obviously, you know, there's a uh, there's a part of me that feels for him on, on that front. The way he's handled it has been completely off the rails. Right.
0: Uh, well, yeah. I mean. It- it's saying you want to save your marriage as you're with your girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is is kind of a difficult one to wrap around. And then but threatening that being the said, life of Pete Davidson. Well, and, and, but there have been I think probably at this point too many documented situations where there's some mental health issues at play, uh where he could use some help. And I think you know, Kanye. yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. And um and and I think he has at some point gotten some, but it, it's it hasn't been enough.
1: You know what I think lies at the heart of your dislike of Pete What's Davidson? That? He had Kate Beckinsale, and you haven't. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, think, I think that's it. It's just pure he shot there. Yeah, he, he shot, shot there, did. too, he did. didn't oh, he? Yeah, he did. I watched a movie My with goodness. her called, uh, called Volt, Volt, maybe, where she plays this woman who has extreme anger issues, Right. and so this doctor, played by Stanley Tucci... Hooks her up, like almost like an EKG thing, and she's got a button, and every time she gets angry, she hits the button, and it shocks her But It was actually a pretty decent little movie, Action oh, really? Adventure, yeah. Right. Yeah, she was good in it. So I think that's at the heart of it. Oh, yeah, you look at the list of women. It's just unbelievable. Yeah,
0: it's unreal. I will tell you this. As as much as uh, my, my crush on Kate Beckinsale exists, mm. uh, one purview of her, her uh, social media tells me, I couldn't handle that. <laughs> <laughs> All this partying and yeah. you know posing with cats and dogs and this and that. I, I, listen. Just give me my Netflix and a couch, and I'm I'll be happy. You would be done before her Lululemons were off. <laughs> rock mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky, Lucky. ninety four nine, The Rock.